Hello, and welcome to another episode of Asia Abridged, the short-form podcast by Asia Society. I'm Matt Schiavenza. Few countries in the world are modernizing as quickly as India. But in one important respect, the country is lagging. Despite greater employment opportunities in cities across the country, Indian women have mysteriously begun dropping from the workforce, 20 million in fact, from 2005 to 2012. According to the IMF, India's economy would expand by 27% if women's employment became the equal of men's. Today, we hear from Ellen Berry, the South Asia Bureau Chief of the New York Times. When Barry first moved to New Delhi to begin her post, she noticed something strange. I kept driving around in North India and not seeing any women at all because they weren't outside. And you started to have a very strange feeling that they weren't even there. Um, and, um, and then when you began to look at the statistics about the labor force, you saw something very peculiar, which is um, despite a whole set of conditions that should be, as in other parts of Asia, pulling women into the workforce very quickly. In fact, the opposite was happening. Um, India has the lowest percentage of women working in South Asia. The only place lower than India is uh, the Middle East and North Africa. So Barry began to investigate why so many Indian women were not working. Traveling to a rural town in northern India, Barry met Gita and Premwadi, two women who defied an order to cease working and paid a significant price. And in the bustling city of Bangalore, she met Shashi and Prabwadi, sisters whose journey from rural village to urban factory floor endured many twists of fate. These encounters form the basis of an extraordinary pair of articles Barry wrote, articles that earned her the Osborne Elliott Prize for Excellence in Journalism on Asia. In a recent lunchtime conversation at Asia Society following her acceptance of the award, Barry discussed India's missing women workers with Bloomberg's John Micklethwaite. Um, I mean, what India has going for it is just a gigantic demographic dividend. And the whole kind of projection of Indian growth is based on putting those people to work. Um, that means you have to put women to work, too. Um, so, so India pays a huge amount of money into skilling programs, which go out to rural areas and try to train young men and women to, um, to go work in factories. Um, now, when, when they go into these remote places like, like the subjects of, of my piece, most of, the, most of the parents say no. And the reason is because the girls are being prepared for a marriage market. And it is perceived that if you go to the city and work out of the kind of, um, out of the zone of influence of the, of the caste, of the village, they don't really know what you've been up to. Mm. And you're sort of, um, you're deemed to have sinned. Yes, exactly. So your value on the marriage market is less. But cultural forces are not the only explanation for India's missing women workers. Whenever there have been high-profile rapes or attacks on women, it is traditional for some MP to come up and say, well, she had no business being outside at 9 o'clock at night anyway. Um, and female MPs will say the same thing. That is, that is just the orientation um, of public life to try and protect women by keeping them inside. Um, and there has been very little effort gone into communicating the need for access to public spaces, access to the economy. Um, I think it would make a big difference. India's blueprint for development follows that of other countries in Asia, turning rural farm workers into urban consumers. 
Achieving this goal will be impossible without integrating more women into the workforce. But in spite of India's shortcomings in this area, there remain promising signs of change. If it's considered um, a, a disaster for your family, if you marry someone you met in the city, which is the way a lot of people think about it, how do you move your population from the village to the city? It's almost impossible to do that. So all of these factory love affairs, you know, and, and they were happening all the time, um, they were uh, terribly, terribly disruptive. So caste keeps people from changing. Um, I mean, caste also doesn't work in factories. You, you sort of can't, um, I mean, there's no way to keep caste in factory. You can't have a factory if, if you pay any attention to caste. So, so that was also sort of interesting to see. All, all of these women I was, um, I was covering came from societies where if you were menstruating, you couldn't associate even with your own family. Like, they, they would put you in a shack outside your home. Um, and so they, without really very much intermediary preparation, they suddenly were working in a factory and, and they were told, oh, it doesn't matter. There's no difference between someone menstruating and non-menstruating. Yeah. And, um, and it was interesting after, after they ran into this uh, dissonance, they went home and they had to sort out whether they would allow their menstruating roommates to cook for them because it was considered within the caste to be, um, to be a cardinal sin. Um, and I, I remember listening to them sort of hash this out. And, um, and it took them two hours to like come to some agreement. And ultimately, because the only woman who knew how to cook was also menstruating, they, they <laughs> waved the whole thing. Um, and it happened in the first week. So, so all of these things, I mean, you just realize that cities are engines of change and factories are also engines of change. Barry will soon move to London to begin a new assignment with the New York Times. But despite India's challenges, she remains optimistic about its future. So India, if, if any of you have worked in India, I, it's quite a hopeful place. I mean, you, you run into people who live in slums and it is surprising how they, I mean, I had come from Russia, actually, where, where the villages are full of, like, inert people who see absolutely no possibility of, uh, of things turning out okay. By contrast, India is full of people who see a way up and out, whether or not it really exists. Thanks for listening to this episode of Asia Abridged, Asia Society's short-form podcast. Our show page is asiasociety.org slash podcast, where you'll find links to this and other episodes. Please subscribe to the Asia Society podcast on iTunes. And if you like what you hear, leave a comment and rating. They do help a lot. You can find Asia Society on Facebook at facebook.com slash asiasociety. And we're at Asia Society on Twitter. Until next time, this is Matt Skiavenza. Have a good one.